0: Today on The Journey. Marriage is the most powerful human partnership on the face of this earth. So for this to work, it's not only the wife playing her role, the husband must play his God-given role.
1: The pulse of the Christian heart is clearly detected in the monitor of life. It beats out a rhythm of devotion to the risen Christ and to those around us especially to our partner in marriage. Today, Ron Moore points out the peaks and valleys of our heart monitor and helps us keep the rhythm of devotion clear and consistent. Also, we want you to know about a companion devotional to this series. There you'll learn how to share in Christ's overflowing life, a life full of joy and passion. It's available as a digital download for a donation of any amount at ronmoore.org. Your gift today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with the message, Overflowing, Fully Devoted, On The Journey.
0: Marriage and family is a powerful partnership. It's the most influential and the most important affiliation we will ever have on this earth. So prevailing that family of our origin impacts us for better or worse over our entire lives. The Apostle Paul was so aware of the importance of family and the need to do it right. And so as he writes his letter to this church in Colossae, he addresses this issue of family. Family. As we continue our study through this book, we have seen that first Paul started with some doctrinal issues. There were those who were very legalistic, and Paul says it's only by the grace of Jesus Christ, by what he has done, that you can have a relationship with God and you can grow in that. He addressed a group called Gnostics who said there is some higher spiritual knowledge out there and you need to attain that. And he said that's not the deal. God has explained to us everything we need to know through his son, Jesus Christ, and you can have life in him. And and Paul gave us that beautiful picture of who Jesus is. Then chapter three, he moved to some practical issues in Christian living, what you need to do in your life and those haunting sins that come back in our lives and how we need to put those sins to death and get rid of those. And now as Paul begins the closing of his letter, he addresses this issue of family. In chapter 3, verses 18 through 21, he gives us some very practical instruction. And I got to tell you, some very misunderstood instruction. Chapter 3, verse 18, Paul says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on verse 20. Children, obey your parents. Very straightforward. Children, obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on verse 21, except to say this. It talks about fathers not embittering your children, and I do a daily blog as we go through these passages of Scripture, and a couple weeks ago, as I was writing on that verse, I thought back to a time when I coached my oldest daughter, coached her in recreational softball, and because of my competitive nature, she had made the last out of a game, and I remember just getting on to her, and she was not a girl who cried very much, but I caused her to cry. And I remembered that and I wrote about that. And before I put it out on the blog, I sent it to her and said, do you remember? She did remember, obviously. Do you remember this? And I said, if you'd like to write your side of the story, why don't you do that? And she did. And I gotta tell you, it was a little painful for me to read as the pressure I had put on her during those years, didn't even realize it. But we wanna focus on verses 18 and 19, this relationship between a husband and a wife. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The relationship between husband and wife is by far the most important partnership on the face of the earth. has the power to launch our children into a life that introduces them to Christ and honors God or it has the power to cause an incompleteness and confusion. Every time I do a wedding, I give specific instructions to the bride and the groom. And So at some part of the wedding, I say, let's talk about the specific instructions that God has for you as you enter into this marriage relationship. And so I turn to the groom and I tell him, the things that God instructs him regarding the marriage relationship and the responsibilities that he's going to have. And at the end, I say, from you, God expects nothing less. And then I turn to the bride and I go through the instructions that God has for her. And during those instructions, I say this, you must place yourself under the leadership of your husband just as you place yourself under the leadership of Of the Lord. Now I'm told after those services that in the audience there is a rolling of the eyes and, like, can you believe he just said that? Where did this guy come from? And I've even heard of audible gasps during that. And some of you may have the same types of emotion when we read a passage like this, and I know. This passage has been terribly misused and abused, even in Christian circles. So let's work to determine what it really means, what biblical submission is, and what biblical leadership really is. First, let's look at what submission is not. Biblical submission does not mean that the wife is in any way, shape, or form inferior to her husband. It is clear in Genesis chapter 1 that both the man and the woman are made in the image of God and we stand before God both man and woman with value. At the foot of the cross we are equal before Jesus Christ. Paul makes that clear in Galatians chapter 3 verses 26 through 28 when he says you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. The word son is a generic term. You are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The man and the woman stand equal at the foot of the cross. Secondly, biblical submission does not mean in any way, shape, or form that the wife somehow loses her identity or becomes a non-person in the marriage relationship. The beauty of the marriage relationship is the husband and wife complete each other. That's the whole point of the one flesh relationship put forth in Genesis chapter two. The man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and together there'll be one flesh. This one flesh relationship is a completion of one another. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, it's a partnership. And together as a team, the husband and wife can honor God and serve God and bring glory to God in a way they can never do by themselves. The man and the woman complete each other. Thirdly, biblical submission does not mean that the wife becomes a passive participant in the marriage relationship. Submission in no way means that the wife loses her voice in the marriage, in that partnership. She must be and is meant to be a key player, a major player, not a passive participant. It's interesting that when the apostle Peter gives the same instruction in 1 Peter chapter 3, do you know who he uses as an example of biblical submission? He uses Sarah in the Old Testament, the wife of Abraham. Now, if you know anything about Sarah, you know she is a strong, strong woman. And she has a strong personality. And she is anything but a passive wallflower. She is tough. She's a bit cantankerous at times. in her attitude toward Abraham, and even her attitude toward God, remember, she's the one who laughed at God when he said, you're going to have a child In your old age. Now, why would God inspire Peter to use Sarah as an example of biblical submission? Well, I think three reasons. One, he wants us to know and wants us to remember that biblical submission in no way takes away personality. We see that in Sarah. He wants us to know that it in no way takes away participation in the marriage. Sarah and Abraham were partners in their marriage relationship. Here's the deal. Sarah, as strong a personality as she was, she had a great love and respect for Abraham. Such a great love and respect that she was willing to follow Abraham's lead and stick by him even in the disappointments they had, and there were many. Stick by him even in the difficulties they endured, and there were many stick by him even in the bad decisions that she made and he made and that they made together, and they made some bad decisions together. That's why Sarah is such a beautiful example of what this means, biblical submission. She loves and respects Abraham enough to participate in life together with him. She loves and respects Abraham enough to follow his leadership. That's what biblical submission is, voluntarily placing yourself under the leadership of your husband, refusing no matter how tempting it is to usurp his God-given leadership. We say, Ron, that's great. I appreciate that. Thanks for sharing. But that has to be a passage that has some cultural meaning. I mean, my goodness, you gave the example of Sarah 4,000 years ago. And then he gave another example 2,000 years ago of Scripture when Paul wrote it. You know what kind of day Paul lived in. I mean, a woman was seen inferior in Paul's day, unfortunately. So maybe this is a cultural thing and we should just gain some principles out of it. Well, let's think about that. In order to determine if something is cultural or not, you have to see where it's based in Scripture. And when we look at this issue, it is based... In the order of creation before culture First Timothy chapter 2. Paul writes this Adam was formed first then Eve Adam was created and then Eve you say I don't like that you say well oh, I'm sorry That's, you'll have to talk to God about that So based on the order of creation now Here's what Paul says in verse 14. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and she became a sinner. Let's think about that. Why in the world would Paul add that to this order of creation? Adam was created first. And God came to Adam and he said, you have everything here. Everything is yours to enjoy. You can have it all except for this one tree in a garden. From that tree, you cannot eat. Now that instruction was given before Eve was created. So Adam has the instruction. What's his responsibility? His responsibility is to share God's instruction with his wife. God had said, Adam is incomplete on his own. I'm going to make one who completes him a helper suitable. By the way, helper suitable is only used of God in the Old Testament. God is the one who completes us. It's used one other time of a woman who completes the man. And Adam is to share that with her. Now, what happens in Genesis 3 when sin enters the world? It is Eve who takes the fruit. She is deceived, right? by Satan. Now, who is standing beside her? Adam is. Because right after she eats it, what does she do? She turns and she gives it to him and he eats it too. So here Paul is saying here in the first sin is the example of the woman usurping the authority of the man and more so the man passively standing by and not taking a godly leadership. That's seen in the first sin. And I gotta tell you, there are a lot of marriages on the rocks today because that's what's happening. The divine order gets flip-flopped. And when you do that, you're not going to have God's blessing on your marriage. So this is not culture, it goes back to the divine order of creation. Another passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want you to realize, Paul says that the head of every man is Christ, so we are under authority. The head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So even Christ, there's a divine order. And then Paul explains later in 1 Corinthians 11, 8 and 9, for man did not come from the woman, but woman came from the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Again, man was lacking. He needed something. In and of himself, he was not everything God intended for him to be. And so God created a woman to complete him. And in that beautiful marriage relationship, again, you can honor God in a way you can never do on your own. So when it comes to biblical submission, here it is. A wife is in no way inferior to her husband. Absolutely not. A wife in no way loses her person or personality or identity in marriage. A wife does not become a non-participant In the marriage partnership, it is a partnership. But according to God's divine design in creation and marriage, the wife is to place herself under her husband's leadership. Notice, as is fitting to the Lord. So if your name is Bonnie and your husband's name is Clyde, you don't have to rob the banks with him. There's a moral law, God's moral law that supersedes man's actions as is fitting to the Lord. Now, remember, we said marriage is a partnership, the most powerful partnership, human partnership on the face of this earth. So for this to work, it's not only the wife playing her role, but also the man, the husband, must do his part and play his God-given role. And so Paul says in verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The word harsh has the idea of friction caused by impatience or thoughtlessness. Reckless words, the proverb says, pierce like a sword, unkind actions, pain the heart and emotions. And God in no way meant For the husband to act as a dictator, but loving leadership. The husband must love his wife how? As Christ loved the church, Paul says in Ephesians, and gave himself up for her. Here is a sacrificial love. Here's a Christ-like love that runs with such depth and such emotion that the husband is willing to give if need be his very life. For his wife. And she needs to know that every day, that you're willing to give your life for her. Here's a love that is patient. Here's a love that is kind. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. As Paul says in Corinthians, it keeps no record of wrongs. It always protects. It always trusts. It always perseveres. It always hopes. It never gives up. Now, what wife would not follow unreservedly that type of servant leadership? So husbands, you see, as a leader in your home, you have to be walking with the Lord. You have to be in his word. If you're going to be the leader that God has called you to be, and means for you to be. You need to be listened to Him daily. You need to be in prayer. There's no excuse for you not to be. If you're going to be the leader in your home that loves sacrificially and loves unreservedly, you can't do it on your own. And so you're going to have to be controlled by the Holy Spirit in order for you to be the husband that God has called you to be. I'm always amazed that guys will take time to go plan their business. They will take time and energy to go away to a training. They will take time and energy to do all this stuff. But when it comes to their marriage, so little is put into it. Marriage is hard work. And you as a husband will be held responsible. You are the leader. We looked at that passage in Timothy, that even though Eve first took the fruit. It was always Adam's responsibility, and he is held accountable through the rest of Scripture. He is our representative head in Adam. Scripture says all have sinned, not in Eve, but in Adam, because he's responsible. Husbands, you're responsible. You cannot get down 25 years down the road and have a marriage that's about ready to blow up and say it's my wife's fault. Absolutely not. Where were you for the last 25 years? You have to do your part in leading your home well. So tremendous responsibility placed on the husband and wife. God has ordained the husband as president and the wife as vice president. Two critical leaders in the home. And you must have a strong bond of love and respect that you demonstrate to each other and your children can see it and that will give them the solid foundation they need. You have to work together in decision-making. Again, this is not a dictatorship. It's a partnership. And I gotta tell you, husbands, if there's ever a time that you've ever used Colossians to telling your wife to submit to you, you need to go back and ask her forgiveness. That's not what this is about. You're together on this
1: thing. You have to follow God's leading. And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. Would you like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? One who experiences His power, peace, truth, and joy? Well, that's what Paul wanted for the Colossian Church, and his letter to them still resonates with our hearts today. Let it resonate with yours by claiming your copy of Ron Moore's devotional titled, Overflowing. This digital companion to the audio series we're currently enjoying will fill your soul with security, commitment, and liberty in Christ. You can get yours as a digital download for a gift of any amount at ronmoore.org. That's ronmoore.org. Your gift today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now let's rejoin Ron for a preview of our next broadcast.
0: Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to look today at verses 1 and 2, what I've called the grace of commitment. What we're going to do today is to go through these two verses. Some of you have memorized these verses early on in your Christian walk. They may have been two of the first verses you memorized. You have read them before. And what I want to do is to go through these verses, just explain what they mean, and then draw some application regarding them. Let's read verses 1 and 2. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. Paul begins this portion of his letter with a special appeal. He says, I urge you. Paul is not asking for a favor. He's not saying, you know, Romans, I need you to do something when you get around to it, when you have time for it. Paul is putting forth an authoritative summons to a life of dedication. First summons is this. Put your entire being at God's disposal, not some of it, Not parts of it, but offer your whole life to the living God. Look at verse 1. Therefore, he says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. The word offer, or some of you may have in your translation present, means to dedicate. It means to yield. It means to put something at someone's disposal. In this case, we are putting ourselves at God's. Disposal. And what is it that we are to put at God's disposal? Well, Paul says again in verse one, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice.
1: We hope you can join us for that message next time. And to help you experience the abundant life, we invite you to download a PDF copy of Overflowing. It's a powerful reminder that Christ has provided all you need for life and godliness, a life filled to overflowing. Overflowing is yours for a donation of any amount. You can get it online at ronmoore.org. That's ronmoore.org. Also, for our Pittsburgh area listeners, the real conversation continues at the Bible Chapel with real talk, conversations from Corinth. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, we'll discover what God has to say about leadership, sex, life, victory, and connection. This is a series you won't want to miss. The Bible Chapel has campuses across the greater Pittsburgh area. Visit BibleChapel.org for a location near you. Again, that address is BibleChapel.org. And if the journey has brightened your day and deepened your walk with Christ, won't you tell your friends and family about our program? Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join Ron next time as we walk together on the journey.